Hey, welcome to the Victory Family Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Well, hello, hello. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to Victory Family Church. It's good to be with you today. Well, welcome everybody, Cranberry Campus, Newcastle, Meadville, online, everybody joining us. If we haven't met before, my name is Pastor Sean Moore. Actually, my first name isn't Pastor, it's kind of weird. But my name is Sean Moore, my wife Sarah and I, we are the Meadville Campus Pastors. Good to be together with you all today. And of course, a special shout out, Pastor John and Michelle Nuzo. As you guys are out there enjoying vacation, we love you, we miss you. We can't wait to have you back very, very soon. We just honor you. Thank you for the blessing that you are to all of us. We love you. And so this week, uh, of course, I've been with us the last couple of weeks, but this week we are finishing a three-week series that we've been calling Feasting in Famine. And we get that title from Psalm 37, verse 19. It talks about how God's people in days or times of famine, they will have plenty. No matter what's going on around us, God is faithful to provide for us in every aspect of life, including the material and just natural needs that we all need in this life. God is faithful. He's good. And we've been looking at different principles by which we can actually walk in and receive God's provision. Yes, material, materially, financially, but beyond that as well. We talked about putting God first. We talked about generosity. And all these things, they build upon one another and they go together. They're each a puzzle piece in the full picture. And so we're going to dive into another principle, our last one for this series. And we're talking about stewardship. Stewardship. And we're going to look at a parable that Jesus taught. It's a very prominent one. If you grew up in church, I'm sure you've probably heard it a number of times. But we're going to read this in Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25 and introduce this principle and we'll pray and dive in. But Matthew 25, starting in verse 14. Matthew 25, verse 14. It says, Jesus speaking, For it will be like, God's kingdom will be like, a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two talents, to another one, and each of them was given according to his ability, and then he went away. A little background here, a talent, it's not like a single coin, a talent is a measure of money. So uh, one talent would be approximately 20 years worth of labor. So these are not small amounts of funds. This is, these are significant. Even for the guy who just got one, don't feel bad for him, okay? He had 20 years worth of labor represented within even just that one talent. So he gave him all this, he entrusted this, he went away. He who received the five talents, he went at once and he traded with them. He did business with them and therefore he made five talents more. He doubled it. So also he who had the two talents went, he got two talents more, he he doubled. But he who received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. So now after a long time, the master comes to the servants, he came, he settles accounts with them. So the five-talent guy comes forward, and he brings his five talents. Hey, I made five talents more. You gave me the five. I made five more. His master says, verse 21, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Awesome. Two-talent person, same thing. I'm going to jump ahead to verse 24. 
He who had the one talent came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you didn't sow, gathering where you didn't scatter any seed. So I was afraid, and I went, and I hid your talent in the ground. So here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. Now, you know, this, this doesn't sound too good. You knew that I reap where I have not sown, gather where I scatter no seed. Is that what you're saying? Well, then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who now has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This principle of stewardship that we're looking at today, if I'll just summarize it with this statement, the principle of stewardship, what we manage well today will multiply tomorrow. What we manage well today will multiply tomorrow. Let me pray over us. Father, we just thank you so much for your faithfulness. We thank you, Lord, that right now by your Holy Spirit, you would teach us. Show us things that we need to know. We need to understand that things maybe we've been limited by obstacles in our path. We don't even know we've been tripping over things. But I thank you for clarity. I thank you for light. I thank you for your grace that enables us to live out the things that you reveal to us. We open our hearts wide in faith to receive from you today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Well, back whenever I was in middle school and early high school, we lived in Oklahoma at, at the time, but we did these annual New Year's Eve parties. I mean, big blowout parties, lots of friends and, and, their, and you know, their family members all coming over and to our house. It was packed out. It was a big deal. We did it multiple years in a row. But one of the things that was so much fun about it is that we lived on the first fairway of this golf course. So my friends and I would just run around the golf course and, and have fun, all right? All kinds of just crazy, just fun teenager stuff, all right? Nothing bad, all right? We were good. We were good. We were church kids. But we, so we, had the, we ran out and had fun. Well, this one year, I believe it was New Year's Eve 2002, I go to my dad and say, hey, dad, we're, is it all right if we go out, you know, away from the house, we're going to go run around the course, is that okay? And said, that's fine, but take this with you. And he hands me a walkie-talkie. Now, this is pre-cell phones being prevalent days, okay? So he hands me a walkie-talkie. But, but this walkie-talkie, now this is a nice walkie-talkie. It would have been, I don't know how much it cost, but it was a nice, expensive one. We used them whenever we did some of our annual skiing trips as, as a family uh, to Colorado, where you can communicate from the base of the mountain to the top. And the mountains in Colorado are massive, okay? So this is a strong signal, nice device, be able to stay in communication with my family, right? So we take off, we're having fun. Uh, at one point, I'm sitting on this bridge over a big pond, the water hazard in the midst of, of the golf course. I'm sitting on this bridge with my friends, and I pull out the walkie-talkie, and just to, be, just to be funny, just to tease, I, I hold... The, the antenna of the walkie-talkie over the water, and I kind of dangle it and look at, hey, guys, what if I drop this, right? Can you say dumb? <laughs> dumb. Dumb even without the B. It's dumb. And so I'm, I'm hanging it over there, guys, and they're like, hey, yeah. And so, and I, I still to this day don't know what happened next. But I, 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 I take it in my hand. A few moments later, I feel I'm, I'm juggling it. It was just like, I don't know if it was the justice of the Lord, like an angel, like, huh, oh, you tempt fate, will you? So, but all of a sudden, I'm bobbling the walkie-talkie. I'm like, ah, and slow motion, kerplunk, into the pond. 
And of course, my friends are like, oh, man, oh, it's crazy. And some of them tried to get in, even getting in the water, fishing it out, getting sticks. They could not get it out. I had to go back home and tell dad, hey, I dropped the walkie-talkie in the pond, <laughs> out there in the water. It's lot. It's on the golf course. It's with a bunch of golf balls now. Right? Not, not a fun day. The good news is I'm still alive today. I'm, I'm still here. I'm still here. But I tell that story because in the same way that my dad entrusted me with that walkie-talkie, God has entrusted you and me with things. He's given things into our care, and hopefully we handle it better than I did with the walkie-talkie. But he's entrusted things to us. He's entrusted things to us. And it's the first thing we see in the parable of the talents, that, that first verse, verse 14, that this man goes on the journey, he called his servants, and he entrusted his property to them. He entrusted things to them. Listen to this. First big idea is that every good thing that we have is a sacred trust from God. Everything that I have, my body is not even my own. The, bre- the breath that I have, m- the spirit that I have that, that causes me to have life, it's a gift. It's a sacred trust from, from God. The job that I have, the school where I go to, the family that I have, the friends that I have, the talents and gifts and abilities, I didn't give that to myself. God gave that to me. You know, God has entrusted to us this message of his son. He gave us his own son, Jesus, to die upon a cross for our sins, rose him up from the dead so that we could have new life. That's a sacred trust that he's given us. His Holy Spirit, James chapter 1 and verse 17, says that whatever is good and perfect, it's a gift. It's a gift coming down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens and he never changes or casts a shifting shadow. God is good. I don't know what you're going through today that maybe is causing you to doubt the goodness of God and the unfaithfulness of God. Can I tell you, God, if he's coming to your door, he's bringing good in his hand. Every good and every perfect gift, it comes from him. If it's good, if, if it's God, if not, it's either me or the devil. It's something else. But God is always good. He's always been good to you. He always is good today. And you can forecast into your future, he's going to keep being good to you. And every good thing I have, it, it comes from him. But the next thing is that what we do with what God has given us is called stewardship. Every good thing I have. It's not just my, he's given it to me, what I do with what he's given me. That's stewardship. Stewardship, a simple definition is that stewardship is managing the property, resources, or affairs of another. Stewardship is managing the property, the resources, or the affairs of another. In other words, it's not mine, but it is in my care. That walkie-talkie wasn't mine, but it was in my care. It didn't end well, but it was in my care. It's entrusted to us. And this trust, this stewardship is sacred. The things within your life, the the family members, the relationships, the the money that you have, they're, they're sacred. Just think about for a moment the resources of this church. The giving that comes in, the building the properties, all the locations, all these different things. Think about all of that. Now, what I'm about to say, thank God this is not going on. This is not the case, okay? 
clarification. But what, what if Pastor John Nuzo comes back from vacation and says, you know what? All this money coming in, all the tithes, all the offers, all the giving, all the kingdom builder stuff. I'm just going to start spending it all on myself. I'm just going to go on a bunch of cruises. I'm going to go take off and just go, I don't know, I'm going to go sailing. I, I, I don't know. I'm going to go start doing all these different things, lavish vacations, eating out of the finest restaurants everywhere, just personally, and diverting the money away from ministry, away from serving people and all these different purposes. And so I, I, I'm just going to spend it on myself. Hmm. How many of you know that's not good? Like, I may not be a smart man, but that's not good. Like that, that's, that's not good, right? And we see that, and sadly, we see examples of that. Maybe you're here today, you're not walking with God because you've seen the unfaithfulness and poor stewardship and, and outright just sinful behavior of ministers, pastors, mismanaging money and spending on themselves and you know, all kinds of crazy stuff. So we look at that and we say, that's not good. Why? Because that, that giving those funds, it's a sacred thing. There are single moms within this church, that that's their tithe. They brought that to the Lord, to honor the Lord, and they're giving toward that, and they're giving toward kingdom. They wanted this to go to making a difference and see people's lives change forever. It's a sacred trust, and we get it when it comes to the things of this church, but do we get it when it comes to our stuff that we're entrusted with? Here's the thing. The money Possessions, gifts, abilities that have been entrusted to you are just as sacred. And so when we look at these crazy things, and yes, we should judge it as wrong. Ministers going crazy, blowing money, hiding stuff, stealing things. Absolutely, it's wrong. But here's the question we got to ask ourselves. Is that kind of me? Taking the things that have been entrusted to me, how am I managing that? Am I managing it for the purpose it was intended for or for my own? Stewardship. What am I doing with what's been entrusted to me? And here's the big idea, the core thing of this whole message today, is what we manage poorly today will be lost tomorrow. But what we manage well today will multiply tomorrow. What we manage poorly today will be lost tomorrow. What we manage well today will multiply tomorrow. And we see this in the parable of the talents. We've got five talent Frank. Takes his five talents. He works it. He trades with it. It doubles. It multiplies. And then the master says, hey, you've been faithful with that little thing. I'm going to make you rule over even more. Two talent Tina. Love alliteration. Does the same thing. Here's the same message. Awesome. You multiplied. You grew it. You're going to be trusted with more. But poor one talent will gets fearful. Wrong picture of who his master is. I mean, you're so hard. You're so tough. You're just, you don't even, you have these un, un, just crazy demands. So I just hid it in the earth. He let fear bind him. It limited him. And what happened? He lost even what he had because of how he handled what he had. And I think about this. Some of us today are wanting God to multiply what we're mismanaging. And could it be today that that, that's actually the greater issue? The reason why for some of us, maybe not everybody today, but the reason why for some of us that we're in lack, it's not so much about what we're not having. It's about a lack of proper handling. What's been given to us. What we've been entrusted 
with stewardship, what I do, what I have. Because last week we talked about how God fills the cup or the measure of our giving. And we illustrated that. God absolutely will fill the cup, the measure of our generosity of our hearts in every arena of life. But can I tell you, God doesn't just fill the cup of our giving. He also fills the cup of our managing, of our stewardship. And sometimes we can overlook the managing. How is it that people can can tithe and people can give and still find themselves in lack? This can oftentimes be an answer. The mismanaging of what we've been entrusted with. Because see, let's just apply it to our finances, right? I mean, I'm tithing, I'm I'm giving, I'm being generous, Father. Why is it that we're in, in lack? You know, you can have a lot of good stuff, blessing coming in, but if it's going right back out, Man, because I'm living beyond my means. I'm deep in debt. What do we know? Well, guess what? You can easily find yourself in lack. What about on the job? God, I just want favor. I want promotion. I want all these different things. And we can ask and believe God for favor. We can be kind and respectful to the boss. But if if I'm not doing well with the responsibilities of my job, How many of you know eventually you're probably going to lose that job? No matter how nice you are, how generous you are, how much you pray, how much you fast, the management of what we do. What about at school, students in the room? You could ask God for help on that test, and you could take good notes. But guess what? If we don't have good study habits, probably not going to do too well on it. What about in marriage? We can pray together. We put God first in our marriage. We can serve each other well throughout the day in, day out course of life. But if we aren't being intentional about getting time together to build that intimacy, that relationship, you can still wake up one day and go, we're roommates. What is that? Stewardship. The management of what's been entrusted to me. And here's the problem sometimes for us as believers is that we can take, I'll say it this way, that we can cover poor stewardship with hyper spirituality. And we can say, well, you know what? I'm just believing God. I'm just going to really exercise faith for his provision in this area of my life. Or we get into it and we say, you know, the devil is just taking all my, the, the, the devil. It's just the devil taking all of our stuff. And there's legitimacy to that. Yes, the enemy can get involved in things. And yes, we should exercise faith. It certainly isn't less than that, but it is more than that. I remember one time, it's just kind of funny, I was talking to this guy about this scheduling thing for one of our dream teams, and I'll be intentionally vague, but I was talking to him about, hey, did you get this email? And he's like, no, no, I didn't get it. Okay, man, he's like, yeah, you know, I just really think the devil is getting into my my email inbox, and he's just, I haven't been getting stuff, and I'm just kind of, it's just kind of funny to me, because I'm thinking, out of all the priorities of, of the devil, right, like, he, he went past, like, the president of the United States. He went past, like, church and spiritual leaders, all these different things, crazy things. And he went, you know what? I want to get this guy's scheduling email. <laughs> like, this is what's going to get it done. You know? <laughs> you know? I was like, oh, and I didn't, I, you know, I didn't say anything. But I'm just thinking, I don't know, man. It's probably, probably not that. Maybe, maybe just I'm struggling with using an email. Maybe I'm just struggling with the technology. Maybe it's something practical, right? But we can do that as Christians. We can, get, we can just get spiritual when sometimes the answer is very practical. 
which really is no less spiritual, but we don't see it that way. That's why messages like this are so fun. We just love it, right? Because they're like, "Mm, it's not very spiritual. It's like the eating your veggies message, right? It's like, yay, brush your teeth and make your bed and like, yeah, stewardship. But it's so important because we can cover poor stewardship with being hyper-spiritual. But look what Luke 16 says. This is Jesus talking. Luke chapter 16, verses 10 through 12. It says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? Jesus is telling us that oftentimes the key to increase and God's provision and the promotion of God in our lives, it's not always a matter of greater faith. Sometimes it's a matter of greater faithfulness. Faithfulness trustworthiness, how I care for what's been put into my care, the stewardship, faithfulness. I love this quote from Pastor Gerald Brooks. He says this, he says, faith is when you can trust God, but faithfulness is when God can trust you. So good. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 2 says, Moreover, it is required, required of stewards, which we all are, stewards, that they be found what? Faithful. Faithful. How many people are wanting, God, I want this promotion, I want this increase, I want want more. And God's saying, I just need you to be faithful with what you already have instead of looking at what you don't have today. And this could be a whole other series, but I'll give you this bonus real quick. Three areas where Jesus talks about faithfulness is going to be proven in our lives. First thing is the little. The little. Small things. Yeah, but I want to do big stuff. Start with the little. With the little. Everything you look at, whether it's in the financial arena, people's careers, whatever it is, and you say, man, that's big, that's awesome, I want to do that. Every single one of them, guess where it started? Faithfulness in little. Little things. The the next thing he talks about is worldly wealth, possessions, things. As Christians, we mess this up all the time because it doesn't feel spiritual enough. But Jesus said faithfulness in natural things, material things, physical things qualifies you for what? What did he say? True riches, heavenly things, kingdom of God responsibility. The big things like, oh my goodness, God, I just want greater revelation and big, whatever. Hey, be faithful in the natural things, the practical things, material things, being trustworthy in that area. And the last thing he says is in areas of things that belong to others. Who will give your own unless you're first faithful with what is another's, someone else's, someone else's business. Yeah, but one day I really want to do my own thing. Awesome. Guess what? Be the employee that you want to have one day. Right? Faithfulness with what's currently in our hand. It's required of a steward that we be found faithful. Reminded recently, uh, my wife told me that uh, she was in the kitchen 
with our 18-month-old daughter, Vienna, and she was eating some cubes of cheese. And she just, she loves cubes of cheese. She, she does. I mean, it's cheese, right? It's awesome. So she's eating cubes of cheese, and, there, and my wife's in the kitchen, and she's doing good. Well, she turns her, her back for just a moment. She's doing something. And when she turns right back around, there's Vienna holding a knife. And this isn't like a little like plain knife or like butter knife. This is a sharp like cutting knife. Like that, that's a knife. <laughs> you slice a finger off kind of a knife. So she's hold, holding that. And she's not just holding the knife. She's taking that knife and stabbing a cube of cheese. And she's. This is quite good, right? And like, look, what? What are you doing? You know, and so, of course, when you see that, you know, you don't want to react because then they're going to go, ah, right? You try to take it and they're like, no. It's like, okay, this is going to get ugly. So, so my wife, of course, just goes over there. Of course, the initial reaction is, Ugh. and so, hey, hey, can we just, oh, you know, like you get, uh, right? So, how I many, you know, 18 months old, they're not to be trusted with, with, with a knife. Right, like sure, they can't even be trusted with a butter knife. All, all right, we haven't even proven ourselves at that level yet. What's the point? Man, there's things that we got to prove ourselves trustworthy of, right, before we step into some things. And actually, it's a mercy and a grace. And you know what? God wants to entrust you and me with more, with better, with greater. This isn't God holding out on us. It's it's us proving ourselves capable of stepping into that. Uh, that the God, because God is a wise investor. He's not a fool. He's not going to waste things. And he wants to give us so much more than we've even proved capable of. And he's just looking for someone who will be faithful. To take what they've been given and put it to work. To grow what they're given. Faithfulness and stewardship of what I've been Given. Why? Because what we manage well today, what we're faithful with today, will multiply tomorrow. I love the story of Pastor Tony Cook. Uh, he's actually on the board of this church, Tony Cook. And he tells a story of how, and actually now he's resourcing pastors and doing amazing things, but he tells a story of how he just got out of Bible school. Him and his wife. And of course, you come out of Bible school, they're like excited. They're going to go change the world tomorrow and all the big things they're going to do, platforms to speak on, minister, and blah, blah, blah. Awesome things are going to happen, right? So he's all fired up. What's the first job he gets right out of Bible school? Janitor. Janitor at the church. Can you just feel the anointing, right? Like you're excited for him, right? So he's, so he's in the janitor role there. And of course, you know, he's struggling with his attitude. Oh God, I'm doing, I went to Bible school to do this? To sweep floors and mop and poop and vomit and like, uh, is gonna... this? I did all that for this when I could be, why don't you, God, why don't I? And so he's struggling with his attitude. And one day the Lord puts on his heart. He says, Tony, I want you to treat this job like it's your ultimate calling. I want you to treat this job like this is the most important thing that you could ever do for me. 
And you know, from, from that time forward, I'm sure bumps in the road along that, but he began to adopt that attitude. What's that attitude? An attitude of faithfulness. And because he was faithful in that place, he, he grew. He, he didn't stay a janitor forever. God entrusted him with things. He got different roles and responsibilities. And again, now he's resourcing pastors and doing amazing things, part of the board of this church. He's helping us. Man, why, why would that start? He never would have gotten there unless he was faithful here. With what's in our hand Today, because faithfulness is what produces fruitfulness. Faithfulness produces fruitfulness. What we manage well today, it's going to be multiplied tomorrow. So how are we managing what's in our hand today? I want to, as we get toward the end of this, I want to give us just one simple practical thing. A practical application of faithfulness when it does come to finances. And, and it's so simple. Some of you are already doing this. Awesome. But 55% of Americans are not doing this. So I'm not going to assume that we, that we truly know this or that we get this. And this is so simple. Practical faithfulness in finances. Ready? Get on a plan. One word summary of that, a budget. Spending plan. I heard some other term, freedom something. I don't remember what it was now. All these fun, whatever you want to call it, but a plan for where we're spending money. Where, where are we at? Get on, on a plan. In fact, Proverbs talks a lot about this. Proverbs chapter 27, verses 23 and 24. Proverbs 27, 23 and 24. It says, know well the condition of your flocks and give attention to your herds. For riches do not last forever and does a crown endure to all generations. Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 5. Proverbs 21 verse 5. The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance. But everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. Last one, Luke 14. This is Jesus. Luke chapter 14 verse 28. He says, for which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost whether he has enough to complete it. 55% of Americans, again, they don't have a budget. They don't have a plan. Like, where are we at? How much, how much are we spending? How much are we, are we bringing in? How much are we making? We, we, we don't know. Can I encourage you, if, if you don't know, and this is one simple application of stewardship. I've been entrusted with money. How am I handling that? Well, no, it's the devil taking all my stuff. No, it might be Starbucks. <laughs> it might be Walmart. I, I don't know what you're thinking. It might be Costco. It probably is Costco. <laughs> you buy two things, $75. Like, what? <laughs> what? I know this is so practical, but faithfulness, spirituality, stewardship, it's practical. It's practical. The budget helps us know where we are. What's our current behavior? Helps us know where we're going. It helps us spot and identify leaks. Helps us find waste. I'm reminded of uh, a man, a minister. His name is George Mueller. And I believe he lived in the late 1800s. And he's worth looking up. Uh, Man, he did some amazing things. One of the, I mean, he did a lot. But one of the big things that he's most known for uh, is orphanage. He had this orphanage, hundreds and hundreds, probably maybe even thousands of orphans that he cared for, rescued out of the streets of, of England, cared for them. And, and one of the hallmarks of what they did is that he did not solicit for funds. He didn't do any fundraising. Like there was no campaign, no, no drive, no like trying to get money from the government. Like there was nothing like that. It was just purely, Father God, we're going to pray and do what you tell us to do. And we're going to believe you for the provision to come in. And it did. 
And if you read about his life, sometimes it was at the last minute. But it came in. It came in. But one of the things he talks about is that whenever he found areas where they were persistently just coming under and finding lack, like, hey, we don't have enough food or different areas, whenever he encountered that, the first place that he looked was waste. Where is it that we're wasting resources? Where is it that we're overspending on this? We didn't use this. We did little, little things, little things. In our finances, where are we overpaying for insurance? Where are we spending? You know, we don't even need this. We bought five of these because we lost this. Like, you know, right? Those, all these different things. Well, what if we just eliminated the waste? Some of you would have a flood of provision coming in, like just, just from that. And this is a simple step. Budget, a plan to, to look at. That's just one area. And maybe finances isn't even your area. But I want to give you a, a real quick thing. This is another very practical step that we're making available to everybody a part of this church. No matter how long you've been coming, if it's your first time, here's a gift for you. But we as a church have invested in a site license, so it's church-wide, for everyone a part of the church to uh, get on this platform. It's called Ramsey+. Plus. It's from Dave Ramsey. If you're familiar with Dave Ramsey, help millions of people honestly get out of debt, get their finances in order, stewardship of their finances. And he has this platform uh, that you can subscribe to. Well, we, we bought it for you, okay? So we did this as a church to invest in you, invest in your future, invest in your finances. And on that platform, you can go through their entire Financial Peace University course. And it's on us as a church. We got that for you. There's other courses that are on, on there. Yeah. There's group coaching calls you can sign up for. There, there's different class, There's budgeting tools, premium budgeting tools that normally you have to pay for. That's, that's available to you because of that subscription. All you got to do is go to our Next Steps page that's attached to that QR code that we always talk about at the beginning of service that some of you listen to, some of you don't. But the QR code is there. If you go there, you go to our Next Steps page, myvfc.info slash next steps. There's a button on there. Hit it. You can get signed up. It's very, very simple. That, that, that might be your next step. Your next step might be not even the financial arena. Maybe, hey, we, we're good. We're, I feel like we're student. We can get better, but, but I feel like we're doing pretty good. Where are the areas that you feel like we're just, ah, there's lack. There's a famine. It's dead. It's dry. That you say, I need to look at my stewardship. I need to look at my faithfulness. How am I handling that area? And I just believe in general, as we've gone through these last three weeks, and we kind of put a bow on this series, so to speak, we wrap this thing up. In the first week, we talked about putting God first. And that's the antidote for selfishness. And then in the next week, we talked about being generous, which is the antidote for stinginess. And then this week, we're talking about stewardship and faithfulness, which is the antidote to foolishness. If we walk in the light of these things. I believe this can be the time and areas where things have been in lack, areas where things have been in famine or in loss, that we step into the provision of God. Because God is faithful. We can miss it. We can come up short and we all have areas. Don't hear this through condemnation, but can I tell you, he's faithful to provide. He's faithful to provide. I invite you right now at every campus to bow your head, close your eyes with me. And just get before the Lord in our hearts together. And let's just ask the Lord, Lord, where is it in my life that my stewardship needs an adjustment? 
Where is there one or two areas, Father, that would make the biggest difference if I just leaned in to you and get some wisdom, maybe get some resources and talk to some people, learn maybe what other people are doing in some of these arenas and begin to walk in greater faithfulness so that we can experience your greater fruitfulness. And here at the end of our life, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. Thank you for the joy on the other side of faithfulness and of wise stewardship, that we are a church, we are a people of wise stewards and faithful stewards with all you've entrusted to us. Thank you for showing that to us, Lord. And as our heads are bowed and eyes are closed across every campus and every location, heads bowed, eyes closed, and you're here today, and you say, Pastor Sean, I don't know what I've done with the stewardship of the fact of what you talked about earlier, about how God sent his son Jesus to die upon the cross for my sins and raise him up from the dead so I can receive new, new life. I don't know that I've received that. Listen, I, I'm not talking about have you received church or religion or that you try to be a good person or that you've received sacraments of a church and all these different, you were baptized. Hey, that's all well and good. But none of those things make us right with God. If so, he never would have sent Jesus. He just would have sent those things. But he didn't. He sent himself. He sent his son to do that for you and me as a sacrifice. And if you are here today and you say, Pastor Sean, I don't know that I've received that, but I want to today. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to give you a chance. We're going to pray a prayer out loud together with you, right where we're all seated. But first, I want to give you a chance to acknowledge by lifting up your hand on the count of three, just before the Lord, so I can see it. I'll celebrate with you but to lift up your hand and say, Jesus, I choose you today. On the count of three, if that's you, lift up your hand for a moment and put it right back down. One, two, three, lift it up high and put it right back. God bless you, God bless you. Lift it up high for a second, God bless you, I see it. You can put it right back down. We celebrate, God bless you, I see it. You can put it right back down. At every campus, every location, I can't physically see you, but I celebrate with you. Lift it up high before the Lord, God can see you and then put it right back down. God bless you. We're so excited for you. It's a whole new start, whole new start and whole new family. And I just invite you at every campus, every location, all of us together, let's pray this prayer out loud together where your own ears can hear it, mean it from your heart as you pray it. Say, dear heavenly father, thank you for Jesus. I believe he is the son of God. He died on a cross for my sins and he rose from the dead so I could have new life. Jesus, I confess you as my savior and my Lord. I turn from my sin and I turn to you. And I am now a child of God and heaven is my home. In Jesus name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate together. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Victory Family Church. If you enjoyed listening, please take a moment to rate, review, and share. For more resources, including locations and service times, please visit lifeatvictory.com.